Hallelujah. Last week we had two teachers uh, share a little bit with us as we've been studying the book of Proverbs to really bring in about understanding that you're taught wisdom. How many know we need wisdom for this hour? And you know, I want to share with you, the Word of God says in Jeremiah 29.11, you don't have to look there, but you know this scripture, we, we speak it all the time. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans do you good. And as we've been studying Proverbs and we're laying the foundation down, you know, that's what Proverbs says He has for you. Plans to do you good, to give you long life, to give you a healthy life, to, to bring you to success and open doors that you couldn't open naturally. And, you know, we spoke also that wisdom is crying at every crossroad, at every door, every gate, every decision we make. Wisdom is crying out wisdom from God. And, you know, I was thinking today about Samson. You know, his mom and dad were so godly. They were praying people, uh, known for being praying people. And Samson means sunshine. But how many know he was the strongest man who's ever lived? And here's this young man. He gives his life to be a Nazarite. He's raised in a godly home. The parents were people of prayer. But he decided, it says, and it says in the King James Bible, he decided to go down. He went down to the crossroads, heading towards the area of the Philistines. And it says he found a young Philistine lady there. Before he found the young Philistine lady, he did something he shouldn't have did. He went through the grapevines. He wasn't even supposed to get close to grapes. And he's while he's going through the grapes, he's at the crossroads, wisdom shouting out, no. As he goes across in the grapevines, lion jumps on him and he kills the lion, which ends up being another desecration to his vow. Goes down, sees this Philistine girl, goes back home, as any spoiled kid would, and tells mom and dad, I found a Philistine girl, and this is the way he said it, go get her for me. Yeah, but we've got lovely girls that are in the covenant. We've got girls that you can marry among our people. Why do you want a Philistine? And he just says, go get her for me. And wisdom's crying out, no. As you know, he goes back and he touches a dead carcass, which breaks his vow along with everything else. He ends up getting ready to get engaged to this Philistine girl, but it all goes bad and the Philistines burn her and her dad down. And then he goes back down to the crossroads where he, he runs into this uh, prostitute and he falls in love with her. And you know the story. He ends up laying in her lap and telling all of her stories, telling his secret of his strength. And then he ends up losing his eyes and he ends up being bound like a slave doing the work of an animal. But then the Bible says, but then his hair began to grow. And thank God that in this life we have, many times we've messed up. Some of us may not have perfect records. There may be areas of our life we may stand here and say, I have not operated in wisdom like I should have. But I want you to know, if, if um, Ronald Reagan can stand at 77 years of age at the Berlin Wall and say, Gorbachev, this wall has to come down. If he can do that at 77 years old and Michelangelo can start his second roof, at 88 years old, no matter how young or how old we are, we can start from this day saying, I cry out for wisdom above all things. You've, we might have messed our life up in so many ways. We might have messed up other lives because this is the thing about the Bible speaks about foolishness. We don't only mess our own life up. We mess up lives of those we care for. And that's why wisdom is crying out, I want to teach you. I want to train you. And there's something I want you to see tonight in 1 John chapter 2, before we get into Proverbs, just some things the Holy Spirit put on my heart. 1 John chapter 2. 
First John chapter two, verse 26. Aren't you thankful there's grace in God? First John chapter two. Let's look at verse 20 in the Amplified Bible. First John chapter two, verse 20. And this is the Amplified Bible. But you have been anointed. And I love this. Listen to what it says. You hold a sacred appointment. And boy, I just felt that is what this teaching of Proverbs is. A sacred appointment. Every time we get up in the morning, every time we open up the book of Proverbs and we open, open up the word of God, every devotion, every prayer time, it's a sacred appointment with the spirit which will teach you and guide you into all truth. If every student would go to class every day saying, this is a day I'll never recuperate. I've got to pay attention for today to learn today what I have to learn. Well, what type of education will we have today? And it goes on to say, I hold a sacred appointment from you have been given an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know the truth and know all things. Verse 26. I write this to you with reference to those who would deceive you, seduce, lead you astray. But as for you, the anointed, the sacred appointment, the anointing, the unction, which you have received from Him, abides permanently in you, so that you have no need that anyone should instruct you. But just as His anointing teaches you concerning everything, and is true, and is no falsehood, so you must abide, live in, never depart from Him, being rooted in Him, knit to Him, just as His anointing has taught you to do. The anointing of wisdom, say that, the anointing of wisdom is a divine appointment. To grow with the mind of Christ. To grow in the areas of wisdom. Now, I, I want to share something with you. My, my middle son is 15. And to show you how long ago I wrote this down, this is a drawing he did when he was probably four or five. And I kept it in my notes when I preached this. He's 15 now. So I preached this message uh, probably about seven, eight years ago. And, and when I preached this message... It was about the blessing of wisdom. And I gave some ideas of things you can do. But listen to this. For example, right now everybody's talking about what's happening to the mortgage company. Well, I said this over eight years ago and they said it before I did. Your mortgage should never be more than 28% of your annual income. Which means if you make 15000 a year, your mortgage should not go over $350 a month. If you make 20000 a year, your mortgage shouldn't go over $467 a month. If you make $25,000 a year, your mortgage should not go over $583 a month. And if you make $30,000 a year, your mortgage shouldn't go over $700 a month. Now, how many of you know this wisdom has been available for years, among other things? And, you know, the people who loan you money tell you, oh, that's all right. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you start thinking about, you know, well, you know, if we cut back here, if we cut back there, we can have a bigger mortgage. But you never know. The kid's going to need braces or, or this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And so, you know, you go, you know what? We, I know I'm not supposed to exceed $700 a month, but, you know, we can pay $1,100 a month. We'll, we'll just cut back and watch it. But wisdom is saying, sit down and count the cost before you buy. 
Wisdom says instead of paying the gas station and letting your kids... Listen, your, the, the Coke at gas stations is expensive. And your kids aren't that thirsty anyway. You know what our kids do? They go to the big refrigerator, hold the refrigerator door at the gas station. The Coke, how much is it? Two dollars or something? I don't know. It, it's, it's $1.39, you know, at the gas station. Each Coke, and I got three kids. And they get to the icebox, they open the door, and they can't even figure out whether they want this one or that one. There's too many things to choose from. You know the wise thing to do, parents, for one, to save you a headache, go buy some cheap stuff and say, you're going to drink this. Because they can't make up their mind what they want anyway. Or water. Now, is that wisdom or is that wisdom? Amen. That's wisdom. Well, you see, there's all there's knowledge available. There's wisdom available. We have to be studious and we have to get into it. And we've got to dig and we've got to see what is the best thing for me to do. And I shared in these in, in, in that, uh, that sermon back then about talking things over with your spouse. Never walking around with a lot of money in your pocket so when you're tempted you can't do anything anyway because you forgot your money. Don't go shopping when you're hungry. When you want to go shopping, make out a list to just buy what's on the list. You don't have to have 250 channels. Just get your antenna if things are tight. Our first two years back in the States, we had an antenna from Radio Shack. And when it was lightning, she'd go turn it till we find the... <laughs> but, you know, keep it up with the Joneses. Intimidation causes us to spend what we don't have. There's so many things that God's wanting to call us to. And, and now you can tell the, where we are right now in the government. We have to walk in wisdom. The way the, the uh, money and everything else is and everything they're saying, we have to walk in wisdom. But yet wisdom has been crying out for years. Don't get in debt over that. Don't get over into that. It's, it's not the time. Just wait. So wisdom is crying out for us to hear. And I want you to look with me in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. It'll teach you. It will instruct you. And like I told you, didn't the Word of God say in Jeremiah that I have good plans for you? Then he's saying, then let me instruct you how to always do what's right and so that you will always end up with what's good. Let me teach you the way to health. Let me teach you the way to happiness. Let me teach you in the ways of peace. This is what wisdom's crying out. Let me teach you in the ways of living a long life. Listen, I, I know some of you have too. I lost my mom. My mom died uh, when she was 42. I was 20, 21. That's a horrible nightmare to live your life without a mom. I lost my dad young. So many things. How many of you know you need to live a long time? You need to be around for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Can I hear an amen? amen? But wisdom's crying out, I will keep you alive. I will teach you how to live a long life. It says in the Word, I will teach you how to be blessed. I will teach you how to prosper. I will teach you how to be victorious. I will teach you how to be successful. Just listen to me and let me train you and let me teach you. And it says here in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. I shared with you a few weeks ago, Job 11, verse 6, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom. Say that with me. The secrets of wisdom. For they will double 
your prudence. They will double your wisdom. And then right there in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you will incline your ear to wisdom and apply apply your heart. Apply, apply. I told you, that's what my teachers always wrote home to my mama. He needs to apply his heart. And apply your heart to understanding. And if you cry out for discernment, and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will find the understanding in the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I shared with you, and if you weren't here, you need to write this down. To be a student of wisdom, we've got to be committed to what we're studying. And of course, the two teachers did an awesome job sharing some things last week. And, and you know, uh, one of the things I hear, I have some things I want to share with you. Listen to this. The school kids in some towns are getting so tough that the teachers are playing hooky. The only things that children wear out faster than shoes are parents and teachers. One reason experience is such a good teacher is that she doesn't allow any dropouts. Another reason why experience is the best teacher, she's always on the job. As a general rule, teachers teach more by what they are than by what they say. School teachers are not fully appreciated by parents until it rains all day Saturday. <laughs> it's not so much what is poured into the students, but what is planted that really counts. A teacher's constant task to take a room full of live wires and see to it that they are grounded. The mediocre teacher tells. The good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. The world seldom, seldom notices who the teachers are, but civilization depends on what they do and what they say. Wisdom is the teacher. And you know, I'm going to sh- share a few things in just a minute about what the Bible talks about mockers. A mocker is one who knows it all and always wants to blame the teacher. She's the reason or he's the reason they're not learning. And, you know, it's not just the teacher. It's how many know it's usually the student. And, and wisdom is in love with you, wants to bless you. I shared with you out of Psalms that wisdom wants to see the results of your life and turn cartwheels and dance and rejoice at seeing your victory that you're heeding and listening to wisdom. You know, and when I was writing some things down, I was thinking about, I've shared with you about all my F's and D's and C's and my 1A. But I I play the guitar and I've written a few songs. I'm a little bit musical inclined. And I was learning the trombone in sixth grade and I didn't like it very much. So my teacher says, you know, we don't have any uh, um, French horn players. Would you be interested in learning the French horn? And and we played uh, some songs in band, and I fell in love with the French horn. I said, okay, I'll learn it. So I started learning the French horn during recess. At recess, all the kids were playing, but I was in the room, and she was teaching me the French horn. And I learned to play the French horn real quick. And I remember one day that they were voting on the most approved student, and she put that name on the board, and, of course, the class didn't vote for me. But you know what she did? She hit her baton, and she says, you may not think that Russell's worth voting for the most improved student. But she walked up to me for the whole class and gave me a kiss right on my cheek. Them ladies always kissing me. <laughs> and she gave me a kiss and she said, but I think he's the best student and the most improved student and I would vote for him. And, you know, 
she saw my interest in the instrument. So she was interested in me. If I show wisdom how interested a student I want to be, wisdom will be interested in me. Wisdom will come and kiss me. Same thing happened in seventh grade in reading. My English teacher thought I, I was uh, retarded. So, so she, my English teacher sent me to reading. And, it, and, and both of them were uh, African-American teachers, just the sweet, just sweethearts in sixth grade and seventh grade. And my reading teacher was so sweet. And she kissed me, too. And she, my English teacher uh, wanted to put me in a special class. And she says, don't you dare. And she rose up in front of her. She says, Russell Cobb's a very intelligent boy. And uh, you're not putting him in that class because he makes straight A in my class. If he ain't learning, I know Russell. It's your fault, not his. The teacher saw my enthusiasm and my desire because I saw her enthusiasm and desire to teach me. And so I was in a position of most, uh, whatever you call it, student, teacher's pet. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. It was them stinking girls. But anyway, when wisdom sees, and I'm not doing this to brag on me, I'm just using this as a point. Though both of those teachers did me good because they saw I was interested. Now, I remember this big old guy in our class in seventh grade. He was huge. He probably was 6'3, 250 pounds. And it was seventh grade, but he had failed about four years. And uh, he was in a gang. I remember him going up to our teacher and raising his fist at her. And she had the ruler, little 12-inch ruler. And she was doing it like that. And then he got expelled. But, you know, the whole t- thing about it was he wasn't interested in learning. He wasn't interested in applying himself. He wouldn't even open a book. And when she wanted him to do something, he wanted to beat her up. You know what wisdom says to that? I'm crying out, Samson. You don't want to marry that Philistine girl. I'm crying out, Samson. Don't even walk through the grapes because you're not allowed to drink wine or eat grapes. Don't even desire the honey that comes from a dead carcass. Don't even go to that town because wisdom's crying the crossroads. Don't go. I'll lead you to life. I'll lead you to success. I'll lead you to blessing. Amen. I want to show you a few things tonight. Before we close, I want you to see. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12. This is the Living Bible. Proverbs 5, verse 12 says, You will say, How I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, the Word, do you know wisdom will warn you? And here's this man saying, I ignored all the warnings. Can you imagine Solomon at the end of his age when all them pagan wives deceived his heart and he went after other gods after being named the wisest man in the world. Here we have the strongest man 
and the wisest man. And both of their lives ended in tragedy because they ignored discipline and warnings. Verse 13 says, Oh, and this oh is just so heartfelt. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructions? There it says, oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I listen to wisdom? Why didn't I heed instruction? Do you hear the heart cry here? Wisdom saying, I want to teach you. We have an appointment with the teaching of the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. So that we can walk and make right decisions. And it doesn't matter uh, the PhDs. It doesn't matter the, the IQs. It, it, those things are great. Those things are important. But I tell you, 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 the Holy Spirit can take somebody with no learning and they can walk in some of the wisest choices and plans. How many millionaires didn't even get to sixth grade during the Depression days and became millionaires because they had wisdom and they made right choices? And our lives are a product of the choices we learn. And, you know, I shared with you last week. Do you realize that when, and we've studied it, it, for those who don't know, we've been on wisdom now since the beginning of the year. When you hear a teacher teach, he's just not teaching what he knows. He's teaching the accumulation of all that has been taught him. When you hear me preach and teach, you hear my pastor John Osteen preaching and teaching. He's a going in heaven. But what he imparted into me is still in me. You hear Lester Summerall who dedicated us and anointed us to go on the mission field. You hear my dad and my mom. You hear all the tapes and all the, all the tapes I ever listened to and all the books I've always read and all the programs I've always watched. Everything that I have received by Bullock since 1969, you get to hear the accumulation of all of that in me. And the teachers just don't hear Peggy and Christie. They hear the accumulation of all the teachers, of all the teachers, of all the teachers. And wisdom is crying out. When you hear me, you hear the one who is beside God in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Proverbs, I read it to you. He says, from the very beginning before, he said, like be, I was there with him. All the accumulation of what has built heaven to be what it is. All the wisdom and the knowledge of God. All that the accumulation of the thousands of years of just this earth. But the eternity before that with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and wisdom. All the accumulation of all the knowledge and the wisdom in the world that the computers and man cannot hold. It's all in the wisdom of God. And he's saying, all that is in me, I can I can give it to you. Through revelation. Yeah, Woo! Yeah, he says, I can lead you to health. Why? He is health. I can lead you to success. Why? He's been very successful. I can lead you to long life. Why? He has no beginning and he has no end. All the accumulation, all the wisdom of God is in him. Now look with me in chapter 6, verse 22. Proverbs 6. Verse 22. Look what it says here. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. Oh, if Samson would have took that. When you sleep, they will protect you. 
when you wake up, they will advise you. By their command is a lamp and their instructions a light and their corrective discipline. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. Corrective discipline. Corrective discipline. Look with me, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 5. Hebrews 12, verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. So many people say, God's just picking on me. No, God is trying to save you and point you to long life. God is trying to point us to the place where we can go to bed and we don't have to worry about something going wrong during the night because we've walked in the counsel and the advice of the Holy Spirit during the day. It is for discipline that you have. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which have all participated, then you are an illegitimate child and not sons. Beside this, we have an earthly father who disciplines us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and life? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, 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 it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. All this discipline's art. Oh, having to do what God says to do. Oh, my. My heart, my, 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 my emotions, this tells me to do this and that, but yet I hear the wisdom of God saying to do this, and it, it, I don't want to do that, but it yields, it yields if I continue to yield to it. No discipline is good at the moment. But stay in there! Because if your natural father you respect and you love, how much more your heavenly father who loves you and is trying to guide and lead you and help you through the spirit of wisdom. I have a few questions that we find in Proverbs here. You may want to write these down. Here, here's to see where we are as far as discipline. What are my values? Write them down. What are my values, my personal values? I know what textbooks may say. I know what the world may say. Maybe even other believers, what they may say. But what are my values? If Samson would have had the value of his mom and dad, Samson would have lived a long life and he would have wiped out all the Philistines. What are my attitude? What's my attitude? What's my attitude? Am I teachable? Am I humble to receive instruction? Does wisdom want to really invest in me? Or does my attitude quench wisdom? What's my motivation? What are my motivations? It's a question to ask ourselves. What are my motivations? What, are, what is the basis of my decisions? 
Sometimes all of a sudden we run to a wall. And we just have to just repent and say, I I made the wrong decision. What made me make that decision? Wisdom, teach me. What does Proverbs say? What made me make that decision? Why did I decide that? Don't you ask your children? Son, what was in your head? Okay. Evaluation. Why did I evaluate? Why did I come up with that? Where did I come up with that? How do I use my time? How do I use my time that I'll never recuperate? How am I using my money? Is it profitable? I shared with you before. If you search for me, if I'd go buy a book instead of buying the brand new DVD that came out, instead of spending $19.99 on, on a DVD or $14.99 on DVD, and I'll go buy a book on something that I'm going through that I need freedom from, I'm showing wisdom how hungry I am for knowledge. And wisdom says, I will come to you and I will bless you. Amen. Now, look with me in Proverbs chapter 5. I want to end in this area here. So we've been talking about teaching. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22. Proverbs 5, verse, let's look at verse 21. It says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. You hear how many times we hear that word discipline tonight? He dies for a lack of discipline. He is sick for a lack of discipline. He is poor for a lack of discipline. He does not sleep for a lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. Now, I want to give you the definition here, what it says in the in the uh, Hebrew, where it says he is held fast by cords of his sin. It's the word for a web. It's the word for a web, but it's also the word for the funeral shroud. This is what it says in Hebrews. By not accepting discipline and not heeding wisdom, you are creating a web that will clothe you in the funeral shroud. In other words, in that web that you are weaving is going to lead to your death. It's the web of death that holds you down. The cords of sin. What seems to start out real small just gets bigger and bigger. And it's something a web gets to the point where nothing escapes out of its grasp. And it talks about a funeral shroud. And I want you to see something here. It's interesting. Uh, look at verse 19. It says, talking about your wife. It says, she is a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a, a wild woman? That word captivated is the same Hebrew word for wrapped in a funeral shroud. 
Why would you be wrapped on a destination to death by a strange woman instead of being wrapped with your covenant wife or your covenant husband? Always be wrapped in their love. And don't open the door to be wrapped into the love or relationship with another. It all leads to death. Infaturated. Wrapped up well. Not able to escape. Wrapped up with another person who is not your mate is the same as being wrapped up in a funeral shroud. Just like Lazarus was when he was in the tomb. Mummified. Oh, I can get out of this. Isn't it something that even when Jesus was able to raise him from the dead, but it took others to take the shroud off? Jesus has raised us up when we were born again. But it takes wisdom to take the webbing of the past life off of us. So we can walk free. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Lazarus was too. But he wasn't going nowhere. He couldn't go nowhere. Kids without an education can't go nowhere. We all tell our children, you know, without education, you can't go nowhere. You got to have that education. You got to study. You got to apply yourself. Well, it's the same thing with us. We can receive Christ, but we could be wrapped in that funeral shroud. I'm saved, but I'm not going nowhere. I need the spirit and the anointing and wisdom to set me loose. Wow. Isn't that something? Now, look, we in, uh, you know, Psalms 1 1 talks about the, uh, see the scornful, but look at Proverbs 1 Let me get through here. Because I mentioned this word, so I got to get through here. Proverbs one twenty two. I'll just give you this one scripture here, and later on you can see Psalms one one. Because where you see the word scornful, it's also the word mocker. And I want you to see here in Proverbs one, verse twenty two. This is the Living Bible. It says, "How long, you simple ones, will you insist on being simple minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? And how long will fools hate?" Knowledge. Now, quickly, as we end today, let me give you a few definitions of the word mocker here. The word mocker there means someone who tears down what they do not accept. Well, I know what preachers said, but you know, preacher ain't my conscience. Preacher ain't my Holy Ghost. Well, I know he may say this and that, but you know what? I, I don't, my conscience don't bother me, so I'm just going to do what I want. Mockers are those who will tear down what they do not accept. They're easily swayed by temptation. You can read, we won't go there right now, but you can read later on in Proverbs 9, 7 through 8. Let me continue to give the definition of mockers. To tear down what we don't accept. The word mocker means unteachable. A mocker rejects the teacher. Not just the teaching. Jesus says, you can blaspheme me, but you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. 
You can blast me the teacher, but don't you blast me the teaching. He rejects the teacher, therefore rejects the teaching. Does not mocker does not welcome instruction. A mocker arrogantly ridicules and rejects teaching. A mocker arrogantly. I don't have to live by them standards. I don't have to believe anything that man says. I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to go back to that church. And wisdom's crying out. According to the scripture. According to the Hebrew. According to the Holy Spirit. But a mocker arrogantly ridicules and rejects teaching. Because of his own supposed superiority. A mocker rejects teaching. Because of his own supposed superiority. That boy ain't even 50 years old. He's going to tell me how to live my life? No, I'm not. I'm just a teacher. It's his teaching. A mocker thinks and believes he's beyond good or evil. But a mocker will still face the consequences of his choices. Proverbs 9, 12 if you are a mocker, you alone will suffer the consequences. A mocker has a stubborn pride. That's why it talks so much about discipline. He who receives the discipline. He who receives the discipline. In school, how many of you ever had to write something a hundred times? Okay, I'm glad I've got a few in here. Quite a few times I had to write things a hundred times. Had to write on the board, had to bring it home, write, I had to do that. But you know what? Thank God it wasn't all 12 years of school. First few years. But by the time I got to high school, I didn't have to do that anymore. I had to learn my lesson, thank God. By the time sixth grade came around, I didn't have to do that anymore. But in a pride, rebellion. Tell you what, guys. You see that teacher? I'll make her life miserable all year. Oh, no. You're going to make your own life miserable the rest of your life. I can't stand my dad. I can't stand my mom. Always trying to tell me what to do. Always telling me rules and regulations. I'm just, I, I, I'll teach them. Oh, no. The consequences of not accepting discipline and being a mocker will teach you. A mocker has a stubborn pride. Pride makes one reject wisdom. And when one rejects wisdom, one reaps the penalty. Many people say, I'm a self-made man. A self-made man or woman still reaps the consequences. There's always a sowing and a reaping. And wisdom is crying out, I have plans of you reaping good. But you've got to sow good. You've got to heed wisdom. You have to accept understanding and knowledge. And tonight, church, you know what's the great thing about our Heavenly Father? Is that if we've made a lot of mistakes and we're living under some consequences, because thank God He forgives us sin, but sometimes, how many know the consequences are still there? You know? Well, you know, that person got up and told that family he was sorry for killing their child. Why, don't they, why do they have to still uh, bring him to the chair? Oh, he's forgiven. And he got saved. But he still has to pay the consequences. What you sow, you reap. 
And so wisdom is crying out before you reap something that brings a devastating consequence. Or why even reap something small? Why not learn wisdom? Heed wisdom and study wisdom. And the great thing about mercy and the grace of God is that He is able to give us the mercy and the grace so that we are able to start changing tonight. Want to change tonight? Want to change my values? Want to change my, 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 my decisions? I want to change my uh, uh, words. I want to change what I spend my time on. I want to change my, what I spend my money on. I want to start changing tonight so I can start reaping and wisdom can start working even while I sleep. Amen. Isn't that what we read? Wisdom starts working and it's working even while we sleep. And even there's areas where I've been prideful or I've, I rejected instruction or, or, or rebuke or discipline from the Lord or for, for, from someone else or something else, from a book. I've heard of people reading books and throw them across the room. <laughs> Especially a book on love. <laughs> book on forgiveness. <laughs> I ain't reading that book. People tell me, I threw that book across the room. Give me back Beetle Bailey. I ain't going to read on forgiveness. I'm not going to read on love. Give me back my comics. Oh, no. Endure the pain. Endure the cutting of the two-edged sword. Love the teacher. Love the teaching. And you will live a life that he designed for you to live in. Because everybody in here, every person, every person in that chair that you're sitting in, you can do it, you can have it, and you can be it. Every person in here, doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter what you did last week, you can stand up tonight and you can go for it and you can do it and you can be it. Might fall a few times, but a righteous man falls and gets back up. Don't quit. But let wisdom teach you. Can you stand, please? Let me pray for you.